0: And welcome to Office Hours, you know, where the relearning happens which is between classes, where you get to spend time one-on-one with your professors or adjunct professors to learn about things in sales and marketing and CS, to learn all about how to deliver a better, more personal experience to the folks that you want to do business with. On today's session, we brought in James Gilbert, who is the CMO at CRM Next. And James is famous for, um, this quote that I love, that whoever owns the data owns the room. When I heard this headcanon, my brain went in a million different directions trying to figure out what James was saying. Um, And I'm super excited to have him on this episode to learn all about measuring what matters. James, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you. I wish I could take 100% credit for that quote, but I'm pretty sure that other people have said it before me i just know that it's something that i've lived my life by and it's the primary reason why i'm a younger cmo (laughs) i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the fact that i took that to heart and i did i owned the room every single time i was in with an executive and i still do just because i love data so that's what we have to do and we have to build that mentality
0: i love that i think you're you're totally right you hit the nail on the head Data speaks, it's binary, it's black and white, it's exactly what you can lean into to be able to justify any decision that you've made or justify any future decision that you plan to make or strategy that you plan to deploy. Um, before we get too deep in the weeds though about data, one thing that we love to do here at Alice is introduce folks, but I introduce you by your nine to five title. I think everybody wants to know more about your five to nine title. Tell me about what you do when you hang up your CMO hat at the end of the day.
1: Number one, I'm a dad and a husband, so that's, that's my life. That, that's what drives me every day. Um, I love my kids. I have four of them. We're actually taking care of a fifth right now um, through the foster system, and, you know, it's, uh, that's what I'm ultimately passionate about, but I'm a big Utah Jazz fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, which you can see over here. I like video games, even though I never have time to play them, but my kids love them. And I'm really passionate about, uh, you know, giving back. So I, I, I do a lot of that and, you know, there's, there's initiatives and things like that that I'm very, very passionate about, like child trafficking because I have four kids. So I'm a pretty big component, uh, proponent and person behind that, those causes and making sure that we end that because that's modern day slavery, which is no bueno and we need to get rid of it. So that's that's my five to nine, I guess you could say. I love
0: that. Is there any organization in particular that you wanna shout out, especially with that child trafficking passion that you have that we can give some airwaves and coverage to? Because we're also right there very much alongside you with that.
1: Yeah, there actually is. It's one that's local here to Utah, but it's getting a lot of buzz. Um, you know, Everyone's heard of Tony Robbins. He, he actually is behind this cause. Um, There's a lot of celebrities that are getting behind this cause, but it's called O-U-R. And it stands for Operation Underground Railroad. I get it that some of you might think that it's a little bit more on the right side of the political agenda, but it's really not. It's behind the same cause that we should all be behind. There should be no politicalness behind it. And that's that no child should ever have to suffer no matter what race, no matter what Cultural background they have, um, and why I love the organization is because every single part of the funding that you give them um, can they they literally are they're not funded by the government, um, and the nice thing is is you get to see their operations. So they record this stuff, and when they go in and save twenty kids, they have a, a, a full video, and if you're a donating member, you get to see that firsthand. And man, the stories that that they're doing with the funds that they're getting is pretty incredible.
0: That is phenomenal. And I love that you're so passionate about this. So for those of you that are interested in learning more about this organization, we'll leave some links below for you to get involved and educate yourself a little bit more, maybe bring a little awareness to the issue as well too. Um, I also would be remiss if I didn't point out behind your shoulder
1: is that a Nintendo entertainment system like the the original console this thing yeah well this is I put this on my desk because I like sales reps who have video calls with me to pick up on stuff and so I I try to flaunt this stuff purposefully just to see if like you're smart enough to pick it up um but I actually put this on my on my tag on my bags when i travel my kids bought it for me because yeah this is original nintendo but i could have had an atari one um hopefully that doesn't like i'm still somewhat young <laughs> i right
0: there with you we had that in our living room growing up so i don't know if that dates me ages me or just gives you a sense of camaraderie but we're we're here we're in this together
1: yeah, yeah. i i've always been a video game fan you know i was the young kids that grew up with like when it very first came out. Um, so obviously I had every system growing up. I had the Nintendo, the Atari, the Super Nintendo, and I was fortunate enough to to have, uh, believe it or not, a single mom who just worked her butt off and gave me that opportunity. So I was fortunate wow. to be able to experience yeah. that.
0: To all the single moms who have provided all that they have for their kids to be the best version of themselves possible and now look at you you are extraordinarily successful you're now leading the marketing team at CRR, crm next um and you're also paving the way i apologize that this is a little controversial for the marketers that are attending but while some females are tossing the MQ out of the window with the bath, with the wash, uh, you're leaning heavier into it. Tell us more about that.
1: Well, listen, you cannot, a lot of the reasons why people are getting rid of this is because they have an ABM strategy, okay? Which is great. That's great. Do that. But even the, the folks that consult on this stuff have told you it's actually better to have a dual funnel. So if the folks that are consulting you on your ABM are telling you to have a dual funnel, how do you have a funnel without an MQL? The only difference is, is you're taking ABM and you're rephrasing it into an MQA marketing qualified account. That's it. That's all you're doing. And all that means is it's a roll up of a lot of the activity that happens on an individual level on an account level. And when you can start mapping that and tying those together, that is when the dual funnel can really start articulating the story for you.
0: I love the concept of that dual funnel. And I think um, most folks who are doing this don't realize that they're doing this. You can't just turn one off versus the other. One thing that I think that gets really interesting too, uh, if you wouldn't mind speaking to this though, is about using that dual funnel to be able to track that velocity and the impact of the velocity Um, So that even before you get sales involved, you're actually using this dual funnel to be able to measure the impact that marketing has.
1: Well, how about I show you? I'd love that. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen. And the screen that you're going to see is just my background really quick, but then I'm going to hopefully you see when I present here. Are you able to see that? Yep,
0: we're here. Customer journey process example.
1: Okay. So... First things first. Uh, I know this isn't a one to one for everyone. Okay, so like your model is going to look a little different. But the reason why I like to visualize this is because I think people miss a big important step as marketers that we are now owning more of the customer journey and the customer experience. Which means that we have to map out the journey. We have to understand the buyer journey in this in this phase. So you have digital and you have offline. That's traditionally what has been there. And I know there's other digital channels here. I'm just throwing some out there. But then you have a digital onboard. So when somebody comes to your website, how are you converting them? It might be through chat. It might be through a form fill or whatever the case may be. But eventually, you're then going to send them down a pathway that's going to have deep nurtures and engagements or advertising, right? And I've added in here an MQA, just so that you don't get confused, that you can have both And it's perfectly okay to have both. So from there, you might have a process where then it gets sent to maybe an SDR or BDR team or however you wanna phrase that team. And sometimes that team might report into marketing. So from our perspective, when they report into marketing, we wanna be able to see how many of those MQLs and MQAs did they then convert into a sales accepted or sales qualified lead and sales qualified account. And then from there, it can actually get pushed back in to a nurture if sales denies it, or if it needs to be, there needs to be more qualification, but even in the sales funnel. So we've separated the marketing funnel, then you have a BDR funnel, and now you're going to get into the sales funnel and the sales funnel is unique as well, because guess what you have different criteria. You might use Bant, you might use medic you might use all these other different types of sales methodologies and none of them are, there's not a one size fits all for everyone. It's unique to your own business. So from that perspective, we also have to be able to turn those into customers, which is that there's a customer funnel. And then from the customer, then you can get pushed back into the digital onboarding and the content pieces. So why this matters is because this helps us identify to it at an executive level. And I've shown this to many, many executives and they're like, oh man, it's too much of an eyesore. But then I walk them through it and they're like, oh wow, this makes a lot of sense. And when I've, when I've layered this in and, and talked to other executives about this and I've pitched to them, look, marketing really can contribute to most of the functions of the business that exists today. And we can help serve, but in order for us to do that, those people also have to be in the room. So when you build this out, it also helps you understand what areas do I need customer success involved with? What areas do I need product involved with? What areas do I need sales involved with? Is it everywhere? No, it's not. So then we take this overarching journey and what you don't see here is, well, what about brand? So then brand can get layered in over the top. And I don't define brand, um, like everyone does. And that's okay. You can define brand, however you want, but it, the, this, the same still rings true. I'm defining it as some of these other areas, some of my GTM, which is identifying my TAM, my ICP messaging, positioning, product marketing, cause marketing, social proof. So that's brand. So now you're thinking, well, how do I, if I'm doing ABM, how does this apply to me? So now every time that you see a little fingerprint, you are going to have layered in account based marketing. Okay. So now you can see the ABM funnel is being defined and where we have ABM is clear at the top of funnel and after they purchase. And many people don't think about ABM post purchase they think about, oh, well, we just need to provide the air cover that's necessary for sales to close deals. And it's much deeper than that. And then you have a whole other layer of intent. And that intent is what makes you a smart data-driven marketer. And if you start understanding these micro journeys, so that's your specific journey for marketing and even deeper than that, like the, the journey from digital to then nurture. If you understand those micro journeys, then you can layer in intent or even utilize the data that you're capturing in these journeys for intent. So that's where you're gonna see the hourglass. And the hourglass represents the intent data that you can use to identify those stages or areas in which you can pull information from your dual funnel to provide intent to not only your sales team, but your customer success team, your product team, and other executives within the business.
0: This is blowing my mind. See, the best learning happens when you're not in class. This is phenomenal. So one thing that I want to zoom in on real fast is all of this that you've outlined just now is dependent on really defining those micro journeys. Can you elaborate a little bit more on your definition of a micro journey?
1: Yeah. When I worked for, uh, when I worked for in the customer experience space, there was one thing that was very evident and glaring and i think this still happens today if you talk to any of the big players in the customer experience space they'll tell you is no one really knows how to build a really good customer experience businesses are still figuring this out and you you know you always hear it well it starts top down i mean and it starts internally you have to build in a, a really good employee experience all that's true But nine times out of 10, when you're really starting to structure and execute on a customer experience program, it starts with building a journey. So that's what we're seeing here. Once you build this, then it helps you identify those functions that we just talked about. And the micro journeys that exist here might be, um, it might be, okay, you are running a webinar in the month of October. So the micro journey of a webinar is you're going to have... Advertising or promotion, and that could branch into many different things, okay? And then it's going to hit a landing page, right? Where they're going to register with the form fill. That's your digital onboard, okay? Mm -hmm. And then from there, you've got to have a way to follow up. So then that's the nurture. Pre-webinar and then post-webinar. After the webinar happens, sometimes you're going to have people that attend. Other times, they just want the recording. So what are you going to do post Okay. But even then it doesn't change. It doesn't change the fact that you still have got to send them down to the sales process. Right. And understanding each one of those micro journeys allows you to then get deeper and understand, well, where in this micro journey of a webinar, can I capture intent to feed back to sales so that it's more actionable? Well, if I am identifying webinars, an area of intent, if we're still looking at the journey map here that we can pull in is messaging and positioning. So I use a tool called BuzzSumo. I crawl the web and I look at all the other webinars that are being done out there by our TAM and our ICP. So a lot of our competitors and I see our competitors doing ABC and D. I am not going to do ABC and D because I'm going to stand out. Now my messaging, my webinar topic is not about COVID like everyone else's is right. It's different, but It aligns to a pain point that I've already identified with my intent and my ICP as well, because I've understood this journey. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I think what you've clearly defined here is that a lot of people have been using account-based marketing as an overlay to a strategy they don't really have much clarity and visibility into. Um, They don't really have too much strategy behind it. But what you're saying here is, yes, you're still going to have the traditional tenets, if you will, the traditional pillars of the marketing that we have always known and have identified with our MQLs, SQLs, um, opportunities, et cetera, all of the same nomenclature we're so used to using. But you're saying, let's let's take a closer look at those moments, those micro journeys that we are pushing people into to first interact with them to start to get some of that intent-based base data, And use those micro moments to elevate the experience they're having such that it feels one to few or maybe even one to one that the agenda you've hand selected, the talk track, the initiatives that you're picking up are feeling that much more personal to them and personalized, if you will.
1: Yeah. I mean, so a good example of just, you know, I'm not like just preaching this, like we drink our own Kool-Aid here. so. Well, we're we running a, a campaign right now called the Banklorette. It's super duper fun. Um, so 80, I think 85%, uh, somewhere around there, 85% of a specific niche of our TAM is female. Okay. And so we, I had all of the females on my marketing team get in a room and I asked them, I said, all right, budget is out the window. I want you to come up with an idea that, is going to be super duper fun that's going to be creative and we are going to build a micro journey for people that want to know the difference between our competitors specific to this niche so they came up with positioning our competitors as a a dating episode on like the bachelorette but we call it the banklorette because it's specific to banks and credit unions so we hired these actors and actresses to come in and play our, our competitors. Now we're not calling our competitors out specifically by name, but if you're smart enough, you can figure it out. So the beautiful thing about this is we've identified who our TAM is. We've, we, we even went as far to put this in front of influencers before we launched it so that we got validation. Is this going to be accurate? And is it gonna be something that people are gonna engage with? We then sent it to customers. We sent it to a few others that were specific in our niche that we were prospecting into. And we said, what do you think of this? And everyone loved it. So we went live with it. And now it's such a unique micro journey that we, we've we've, we've figured out all the channels that we want to do, well, that we want to do with this campaign. So it has advertising components to it, it as landing pages and email components to it, it has community and affiliate marketing related to it as ABM related to it. So if you go to G2 crowd and you look at our competitive comparisons, you get retargeted with an ad that brings you back into this campaign because everyone wants to compare software, but you only get the data that's there on the review site. You don't get anything more than that. And it's very rare that that can be fun. So we made it fun. And then we bring in direct mail into that. Now, if you haven't figured out your micro journey, it's tough to, well, what channels am I going to pick from, right? So you have to get into the tactical piece, pieces of what your micro journey looks like. So what we send out for direct mail is those that engage in the campaign get a rose, just like the bachelorette when they give a rose out, but we're building a messaging behind this as CRM is meant to build a relationship and last. So we give them a rose that is meant to last up to five years. No kidding. (laughs) It's in a little box. And it's creating a micro experience for people that doesn't necessarily have to have the end goal of sales. It will turn into sales. I assure you, I've done this lots of times. I don't have to say, I want to get seven opportunities from this campaign or 100 opportunities from this campaign. All I have to do is build a good experience. If I build a good experience, those will come. And they'll come, I always hit my numbers. So sometimes it's experimental as well.
0: Yeah, I like the way that you're thinking about the uh, experiential component of what you're trying to deliver. And you shared with me this really, really impactful story about how you delivered that next level experience for someone that you had, had been looking to do business with had not closed one their their book of business just yet, but you really stepped outside of the norm and thought about the get the recipient on the receiving the person on the receiving end of your marketing experience. Um, can you tell us about that story that you had with that one it was now customer, I believe, right?
1: Refresh my memory, MK.
0: So if I remember correctly um, you had found out that one of your prospective customers had found uh, fallen uh, under some hard circumstances some hard time. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So again, we utilize areas of our demand gen and our dual funnel that we repurpose as intent. Okay. So everybody that we invite to our podcast is a potential prospect and or customer. We do that by design because one, it's free market research, right? You record with like a gong recording or a Zoom recording, then you also have a way to analyze that to validate your pain points and validate your messaging already in the podcast. Well, we were doing this podcast episode with an executive at a credit union, and it just so happens that Uh, She just went through a really rough time and this was before we started recording the podcast. Okay. And she told me about a situation where she, her son's bedroom ceiling caved in, literally just fell. Luckily the son was not harmed, um, but all of his stuff was ruined. She, she specifically mentioned how her son was a big Xbox fan. That's all she told me about her son. Nothing else. Now, normally we send a just a small token of appreciation and a thank you, a handwritten note to all of our guests and say thanks for joining the podcast and spending 30, 40 minutes with us, right? And um, prior to us recording, I got this information and I was I was after the recording, I was like, well, hmm, we have an opportunity here to do something. Now, I didn't do this to try and win her, okay. I did it because it was the right thing to do. And that's what mattered more to me than anything. So I sent her, rather than sending her like a coffee mug and a handwritten note with a small little gift card, I sent her a pretty substantial amount of gift cards. I sent her, her son, an Xbox gift card. And um, what I got back was a, a handwritten note from her, a thank you in three different emails and her being an advocate for us now forever. Will she buy our product? It's potentially possible, right? She might not meet, she might not meet exactly who our ICP is, but she's advocating for us against all the other ICPs. Now that, that might not matter to many of you, but I'm telling you in our niche, it matters more than any type of marketing that I could do. Simply from the standpoint of the niche that we're focused on is all about community. A hundred percent
0: of it. I'm obsessed with the story for so many different reasons. The first of which is you could have walked away from that moment. You had a choice in the moment after hearing that story to make, take, turn that story into action from your end, or just say, I'm so sorry to hear that. And then move on with the rest of your life. But you opted to go the extra mile to develop what we're calling h to h marketing or human to human marketing, where it's not about the end result of getting a meeting on the calendar. It's about just being a good person and caring and having empathy for those that are around you, whether they be folks you wanna do business with or folks already in your ecosystem. You took it upon yourself to turn this experience that she had Um, potentially just interacting with you on a podcast and exploded into so much more such that she now has this emotional resonance with how human, how authentic your brand is, how kind and generous it is. And she now is a forever advocate for your brand. And again, I think deconstructing that a little bit, you did it because you opened today's conversation just by showing the audience how phenomenal of a human you are, that you care about others, you care about things beyond just, you know, who you are or your little micro world. You care so much so that that extends into your marketing strategy and you have developed this marketing strategy with these touch points here where these micro journeys can be very one-to-one if only you step outside of yourself and think about the audience before you send things out. And now you have this long tail flywheel effect with what you've done with this customer who's out there evangelizing your brand, telling them all about it. And she never even actually had that business interaction. She never got on a phone call with you or your sales team. It was just that human to human moment that made her a forever advocate of your brand.
1: Yeah, you know, I almost like, I almost feel guilty even talking about it because I don't, I don't want it to come across as like, we're promoting this because we're not like, it's just, we just... There was an opportunity we saw to help somebody. That was it. But if we, if we, if we broaden the scale a little bit, you know, we're, we're running a brand campaign right now where we invited six, six different influencers in the space to be judges. Now you're probably like, well, what, what is this? It's a contest. And I, I did this at cloud chair we called it the CX championship. And we, those who won won like a custom wrestling belt was made to them. Right. And it was just really, really personal. And, uh, people loved it so much that like, I would ha- I was having people all over the globe reach out to me and be like, how do I get one of those wrestling belts? And I was like, well, you can't unless you win and you have to be, you have to be nominated by somebody. And then on top of that, you have to, like, ju- you have to win over the judges. So we, we re- we are redoing that campaign here at CRM next, but we're making it specific to our TAM. Because of everything that happened in COVID, everybody, I'm so sick of hearing like, oh, like, how are you doing things differently during, during COVID? Or how has it impacted your business? Look, like everybody's been impacted. But it's, it's not how you've been impacted. It's what impact are you making that, may, that really is the story we should be talking about. And, you know, one thing that we saw is our TAM and our ICP was not being recognized by the media at all. Credit unions and banks, you want to know who's keeping our economy afloat? They are. Yep. Who the hell is talking about it? No one. So we built this contest and we're like, that enough is enough. We're not going to judge it. We're not going to be biased. We're just going to fund it. So we got six judges. The judges are all specific to banks and credit unions. And then we had two outside of banks that, that we were like, you know what? Let's bring in a little bit extra voice. And we're like, let's have people nominate. And the judges are, gonna, our judges are gonna decide who wins and we're gonna you know, have a fun little gift and stuff like that. That is creating more buzz for CRM Next than anything because it's organic and it's real. I mean, we're, not, we're not fluffing this out. Like we really aren't judging the contest. We're just promoting people doing really good work. And I am telling you, if I could show you some of these submissions, it would blow your mind. People wanna be recognized for the good they do. And if you did nothing, I repeat, nothing else in marketing, you would be the best marketer just if you did that. And not enough people do it.
0: They don't, they miss the opportunity. And and we we called this episode, Measuring What Matters. And we talked about the MQL, the MQA, the SQL, but really what matters is the authenticity and the impact that that authenticity has on your audience. It's not virtue signaling. It's not any sort of performative marketing. It's just being a real authentic human and celebrating people who are going above and beyond to be that authentic, genuine self in every section of what they
1: do in their personal lives. And I get it. Like It's tough because people are probably like, well, how do you measure that? You gotta do it. That's your measurement. Right. You do it. And I promise what you will find is it will be a lot easier to measure because like just with this contest, we ran it for one month. We had over 50 submissions and all of them took an hour and a half on average, filling out a five question survey and providing deep documentation, creative. Some of them creative, like it's all about superheroes and some of them literally created like their entire bank or credit union in superhero form. All right, I mean, I what, what marketing could I do that would give our prospects that we're trying to get to buy our products that much time with your brand? I, I guarantee this. you there's there's no way that you could do anything unless it's, or if it's organic, people will get all over it.
0: They absolutely will, because the market's mature enough. They know the difference between Uh, virtual signaling. They know the difference between something that's disingenuous and what's authentic. They already know because they're surrounded by it on a daily basis. They can sniff it out faster. What marketers haven't realized is how quickly the market has matured to be able to diagnose authenticity versus something that's just disingenuous.
1: Yeah. And you have, when you build out those journeys, you see that there's a lot of the middle of the journey that people just don't think about. And missed
0: opportunities it's
1: why I will continue to say like the MQL is important uh, or call it an MQA. I don't care what you call it, but if you're going to figure out what to measure, it, I get it. A lot of people just measure first, last touch because they want to make it easy, but you could, all you have to do is build out your journey and you'll see that that's the wrong measurement because everything that happens that matters to people is in the middle of their journey, not always at the front and the end.
0: I love it. We call those pivotal moments and I love how much you have given clarity and context and insight into the pivotal moments that you uh, deliver at CRM next. James, it is such a pleasure to get to learn from and with you on today's conversation in sharing what actually matters when it comes to effective marketing today.
1: appreciate you having me, MK. You need to... A- we should have like reversed the roles. I should have had questions that I should have asked you. And then, you know, we, we could have had a little bit um, uh, of uh more balanced act here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we can, we have some time left if you want to do it. I'm, I'm open for it. We can do this all and post it as well too. And I can like jump in and like the jump cuts don't matter as much. Cause we're not, it's not like we're moving or changing scenery at all too. So if you had some questions, like let's go.
1: Yeah, let's do it. So okay, cool. MK you've you've heard me define you know middle touches and why it's important from your perspective what is a middle touch
0: it's a great question and to be honest there are so many middle touches that it's hard to just give one singular unified definition i think your visual does a great job at actually encapsulating all those middle touches um and most brands are really not understanding that every touch is the first is a last and is a middle touch. It's that, it's the thought, the attention that you've put into, and the consideration that you put into what you call those micro journeys, that something should never actually feel like a middle touch because of the thought and the intention and the impact that you know that that moment can have. So for us, a middle touch is everything that happens in in, in between that that first and that last touch, but not really knowing exactly where someone's going to jump in to your funnel, you have to consider your middle touch as that first chance to make a first impression. Um, you can never go back if you're
1: doing that. Love it. I, I always like to think of, think of like how people buy. And I mean, you could use an e-commerce example just to kind of visualize cause everybody can relate to it. But I mean, like if you're shopping for your kids for, you know, a holiday or their birthday or whatever, um, how many times do you just like go to the website and just buy right then and there? Almost never. You go, you go and find a product, then you research it. Then you're, you're looking at reviews and then you're looking at, well, maybe there's something that's a a video that you want to see how the product actually works. And then you want to see how people have given those views. So then you, then you scroll in the Amazon thread and you see all the reviews there. And that's no different than how, b2b is is purchased as well the only difference is is instead of one singular shopper buying one singular product you have many doing the exact same thing and so oftentimes the the business will say okay we are only going to give first and last touch attribution simply from the standpoint of like that's that's all they can measure that's all they have Right. So then they're just are like, oh yeah, we, we got this. And they forget about all the other people that might have influenced the decision.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's so, we actually take a lot of our playbooks from the e-commerce space. Um, it's no, I mean, I came from the e-commerce space. I used to design and consult e-commerce businesses. Our CEO also came from the uh, e-commerce space as well too. But there's a lot that you can learn about the journey that someone goes on, even as an individual consumer. Yet When you have a whole buying team and you have then just, you know quadruple quintuple the amount of people who are taking these trees in all these different directions everything is the middle journey when you have so many people who are influencing the decision-making process
1: 100 percent agree mk tell tell the audience what are some ways that they can make the journey more personal
0: ooh for alice i mean Everything that you do, you should always be thinking about, stepping outside of yourself, stepping outside of you know, the MQLs, SQLs, whatever goal you're held accountable to, and remove yourself from this funnel you've developed and think about the person, not the persona. We are big proponents of that. We spend a lot of time really conceptualizing and thinking about the person at who is going to be on the receiving end of whatever marketing strategy you're, you're, you're working on. You call them micro journeys, then you think a lot, you think really closely on those micro journeys without using the same vernacular. That's exactly what we're thinking about. We care about every and we obsess over every detail that we put out there, whether it be, you know, a, a fun G2 video, and we think about the experience we want to have about telling people how proud we are about our customers who have nominated us for this position, all the way down to like the precise copy that we use in our emails and even the finishing touches of emojis that we use to humanize the marketing that we're putting out there. Every step of the way, we really think about the impact that we want to have on someone who's experiencing something within those micro journeys. And we maniacally obsess over them. We care a lot. Our marketing team, I hire specifically to find empathetic folks, who who go out of their way to step beyond themselves in a way that contributes, whether that be in their community, it could be outside of work, it could be, you know, volunteerism that they have. I care about people who care because they produce better marketing, like period. Because they care about the product that they're putting out there and they care about the people on the receiving end of the marketing that they put out into the abyss.
1: I know a lot of people will ask the question, well, how do we scale something like that? And she kind of just told you how, but there are some other things. When you're on a call like this, I mean, you can see MK has a guitar in the background. She has a really cool painting with a skull. Uh, I mean, those are things that you got like the star Wars stuff. You can tell I have kids cause there's a painting here. Those yeah. things are how you can do it as well. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know how to scale, get your sales team to make sure that their prospects are on video. All right. Yeah. And then once you do that, do a quick, like 30 second analysis after the meeting, just pull up a screenshot of it and say, Hey, here's some areas that I think that we could maybe send direct mail, send them something personal. That's related to those things. I had a, I had somebody who sent me a, one of those pinata you know, and I've seen them a hundred times and they're great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it was actually the delivery that mattered most. It wasn't the, the product. She found out that I had kids and rather than sending me a gift that I would probably get from anyone, right, she sent a note to my kids and said, hey, I know you have four kids, so here's three pinatograms, hopefully they can have fun with them. But just a small little note like that, and my kids, like, by the way, were obsessed with those freaking pinatagrams. like, so much of the fact that they, like, caused tension in the house, but, um, like, that's, that's, it was the delivery that mattered.
0: It really was. And that person, again, could have left it on the doorstep and just said, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Or that person could have said, I could just spend the extra couple of you know bucks to actually make this family's night. And the lasting impact that that entire experience had, has now had you evangelizing that brand, has now had you thinking about this. And now your whole family is just loving these pinata brands.
1: Yeah, exactly. And my my kids now ask me all the time, hey, when are you gonna get another pinatogram? And I'm like, you know what? When the next company decides that they wanna be personal.
0: I love, I love, I love this.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Honestly, you've helped to establish this new concept of what you should be measuring in your impact. You've given some very clear examples for folks and how they can start to be thinking more closely and examining that micro journey You've also given great examples for the way that people can drive that human to human impact with their marketing to elevate that experience and to care about the person, not the persona. James, thank you so much. I know you're super busy, but thank you for carving out time to chat with us between hanging out with the kids, maybe catching a couple of video games or maybe a Star Wars movie here or there. The Jazz is not playing right this moment, but I imagine oh, there's a game. <laughs> I imagine there's a game you can go back and rewatch to just trying to revel in the moment.
1: Yes, and I I do often. Um, So, yeah, I appreciate appreciate everything. Thank you. Of course. Thank you, Dave.